Hi everyone, it's Dr. Denise. This is the Dr. Denise Show, and this is the Embrace Your Neurostyle and Beyond series. It's May, Mental Health Awareness Month, but as you all know, for myself and many of you, it's an everyday experience. And I am absolutely honored to have Dr. Lisa Wiedemann here today. Dr. Lisa, how are you? Doing just great, Denise. I'm so happy to be here. I am very impassioned to really just help as many, just as you are, help as many as we can with valid information, since I think a lot of us know we are receiving a lot of incorrect information, and it's up to us to dive deep and figure it all out. You know, I love that, and I want to set the table on a discussion, you and I traveling as individuals and for everyone listening, always set your mind to the place of receiving data and information in the moment of now. And I want to go a little bit deeper and define what neurostyle means so you and I can set the table. And neurostyle, embracing your neurostyle and beyond, I've been integrating this in all my talks and that we all process and perceive information in our own unique way. It's multidimensional. In the earth realm, we've got biological, psychological, social, cultural, spiritual, and sixth sense intuition. So Dr. Lisa and I are having our very first talk. I've seen her on Instagram live, and I'll let you know the inspiration. It's going to unfold as we talk, but I'd love for you to weigh in on your journey of perception about health, perception about mental health, and your unique journey, because I, we're all on it. And I think it's important to stay open and get data and then listen to your inner voice. Yeah, such an interesting concept that you're, you're encouraging me to look at and introspectively uh, really dive deep because, you know, for me, I had a long standing uh, history of carbon sugar addiction and eating disorders and compulsive overeating. And I didn't think anything of it as far as it being, um, you know, my fault or that I could change certain things about what I ate that would relieve myself of that. I just felt I was in a death spiral that I could not get out of. And, you know, it, it took a lot to then come full circle where I am 14 years, uh, sober from that horrible addictive behavior, uh, that through this time period, I've realized that things that I never thought or had any concept of a reality such as what we put in our mouth and chew and swallow has everything to do with our physical, emotional, and mental health. And that realization uh, really then, I guess, 
continued on my research and, you know, down the rabbit hole of trying oh, wait, to figure out. Moment. I just want to honor and celebrate your vulnerability. I think it's so important for all of us when we're looking at, well, what is mental health? What is deep communication? Our words, thoughts, and actions carry a vibrational frequency. Our food that we put into our mouth carries a vibrational frequency. Our inner circle of who we choose to hang out with. What news, what social media, I call it mindful ingestion. And we set the table with awareness, self-love, and altruism. And just hearing you, my first time meeting you in this form, you and I, way to go, Dr. Lisa, on your self-love tour. I call it a self-love tour because <laughs> you've been, you're on your journey and now you're inspiring others. So I just want to say thank you. And I, I always talk about gratitude is my secret sauce. I just wanted to say thank you. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate that recognition because, you know, for me, this was something that was very hidden, very secretive, and very much a solitary nightmare because it's very difficult to be vulnerable and expose your weakness or your troubles when outwardly you appear so competent and it it is it is very difficult and i think for me becoming very open about it was all about helping others who are suffering in silence and you know addictions love isolation and this became you know the start real start of my journey was being able to talk about it and try to help others out of that same misery dr elisa where did you grow up? And I mean, thank you for all your elevated words, but we're, you know, this is an international show. We've got people all around the planet listening. Tell us a little bit about you and like where you grew up. And then we'll, we're going to go really fun with everything that we've already started to talk about. Where did you grow up? Yeah. So I grew up in New Jersey and pretty much lived there my entire life. I, went to Rutgers College in New Jersey, and then I went on to optometry school to become an optometric physician. That was in Philadelphia, so there was a little stint in Philadelphia, but back to New Jersey I am, and yeah, pretty much I could say born and raised here. Okay, great. Well, this is also our chance, and also you know, people, I do different series. So I grew up, Dr. Lisa, in the Midwest, from a very lovely family. And at the time, um, in the eighties, when it was like the, the, the preteen and teen years at that time, the nutrition wellness and mental health landscape was kind of telling us like fat free snack wells and all this like stuff that like, I remember my mom always saying, Oh, this is a healthy meal. And so I think when we're looking at ourselves, if we look back, whatever age you are, cultural background, we come with like a landscape of what we're told in our families, also with the news or the media, and then trying to kind of retrain yourself to be open and taking scientific method, whether you have an addiction history. Uh, Dr. Lisa, my father was very, very blessed and fortunate to get sober when I was age 11, I come from a very lovely Midwestern family, belief in a higher power, but also played sports, 
very just what you see is what you get character counts, but family history of high achievers, some low grade depression, anxiety, and addiction genetics. So I think for everyone listening, when you look at mental health awareness for yourself, look at your own material genetic DNA, look at the landscape of your cultural belief system. And there's not a a one size fits all health choice. But one of the reasons why I was attracted to interviewing you today is number one, you have been walking your walk of vulnerability and getting new data and new open-mindedness of nutrition and health plans that are very, um, very unique paradigm progression that we're getting more and more data. The, the Dr. Lisa Wiedemann's, the Dr. Ken Berry, the Sean Baker, Dr. Sean Baker, uh, Kelly Hogan, you know, this whole universe, but I wanted to set the table of vulnerability that you're human, I'm human. And, you know, I have some family history of addiction genetics, and I've learned how to channel that energy into all these positive things, but I want to take the shame out of talking about our family of origins, out of the traumas we've had, out of the mental health crises, and that we're all in this together. So I wanted to just let people know that Dr. Lisa and myself, you know, I'm here. I'm not only as like the MD, the child psychiatrist, the adult psychiatrist, intuitive. I'm here as a human showing up for all of you with Dr. Lisa. Yeah, and I would really like to bring up or segue onto what you just said, as far as your upbringing and your thought prop, the thought process that happens just in your own environment. As I grew up, um, I was look, you know, of course, I guess getting a little chubby in my grammar school years and getting to wear that Sears Husky size pants. Um, I, by the way, I was in the Huskies too. (laughs) (laughs) You and I have the Husky connection. Okay. Go ahead. I'm smiling. Beautiful. So, you know, you know, I guess my analytic mind started going back then. And of course the message is low fat, no fat. Don't eat fat. Right. So I was in everything. I remember like little hundred calorie little snackies. Yes. (laughs) Rice cakes were great. And rice and pasta. It was just all no fat, low fat. And of course that didn't work because all those carbs turn right into sugar and sugar then perpetuates that drive and cravings for more sugar, whether it's chocolate or carrots or bread. Uh, these carbs were not unbeknownst to me, so detrimental. And then, yeah, just I guess realizing through the years that, well, this isn't working. Let's keep searching. And by the way, did you play sports? I did. I was. What did you play? I was in softball as a little kid. And then I got into gymnastics. And, uh, you know, it it really, you know. By the way, I played soccer. I played varsity soccer all four years. I like to dance. I got, I made the pom pom squad, but my dad made fun of me. He's like, Denise why would you do pom-poms when you can be the basketball player that play the whole game? And then I was a lifeguard. So it sounds like you and I had a very active childhood, but with some propensity to um, adding on the extra weight of it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And Mm -hmm. I was, you know, I I was just distraught and beside myself uh, in, in a world of wanting to not be overweight and uh, just kept 
searching and, you know, still nothing really working. And then gradually my parents became obese and my brother obese. And, you know, I said, this is not where I'm going. This is not going to be my path. And I was so fortunate 14 years ago to come across just internet surfing, uh, seeking answers and came across a forum called zeroing in on health run by Charles Washington, the lovely small group of people who branched off of a low carb website, they got kicked off of, and they made this, this forum, uh, to discuss this way of eating. And these women in there discussing that they resolve themselves of, bipolar, mental health issues, obesity, eating disorders, diabetes, everybody was chiming in at how this was remarkably changing their lives. So cognitive dissonance said, oh my gosh, I got to eat fruits and vegetables, but these people don't. So I'm going to jump in and oh boy, high fat, you need to eat a lot of fat because fat is healthy and fat is what you need. Saturated animal fat. And I know it's just so crazy that cognitive dissonance just keeps kicking in. But once I jumped in and did it and felt amazing, and here I am 58 years old, 14 years later, and wish I had found it at age 20 instead of age 44. So this is incredibly important because I want you and I to go deeper on the words and really elevate and celebrate topics like anti-inflammation, metabolism reset, data. But in this vulnerable moment of now, traveling back to 14 years ago, you wanted answers, you found data, you took scientific method, and here you are, which is another reason why I'm honored to have you. Because for me as a doctor and being open-minded to all ways of mind, body, soul health, for everyone listening, you might have a different perception, a different nutrition, a different that's working for your unique metabolism. I will tell you, Dr. Lisa, the way I found you is I know Charles Maddox and Charles had asked me to go on his uh, show reversed. And I, I'm a mother of this lovely teenager that needed me. And he's like, Denise, I want, can you eat steak for a week? And I thought, well, I mostly been, this is, I want you to, this is a vulnerable, fun share. I really had been swimming six days a week, no alcohol in the house. And I had just resolved. It wasn't like, I was like, you're beautiful, you're curvy, but boy, I sure wanted to get rid of some of that like extra belly hormonal, right? Uh And so 36 days ago, I decided, and by the way, my, I want to like set the intention, you know, you talked about eating disorders, bulimia, uh, anorexia. I want us to also touch on that for people listening because I am an adult and child psychiatrist and I work with a lot of people that have nutrition, body dysmorphia, and sometimes people get triggered if they just hear one statement out of something you're saying or I'm saying. So I don't want to trigger anyone with this. But I think the most important thing is to keep an open mind. And so I have to tell you, I'm a very new um, 36 days in of open-mindedness and watching Dr. Ken Berry, listening to you and Kelly Hogan. I can't wait for Charles series to come out all the pioneers and because you have walked the walk for 14 years and with your medical background, I'm like slam dunk. I want to meet this Dr. Lisa. So I can tell everyone that I'm on day 36 in order to not trigger my own perfectionism. I don't weigh myself. I do it based on how the clothes fit and I have a physical exam coming up and I can tell you, Dr. Lisa, 
I have never felt more focused, more clear, and also just how easy it is to follow this nutrition plan. It's almost like having a uniform that just works. And I am not like you. I don't have 14 years, but I have a physical coming up. And for my unique neuro style and perception, I just want to keep balance. I want to keep all the things I'm already doing right. Because a lot of times if people start a new nutrition plan, they can go extreme. They can. And so I just want to say I'm day 36 and I feel fantastic. Clothes fitting great. I don't feel inflamed. That extra water weight. And then I've been very much like a universe geek looking at all the studies and all the myth busting. And when I initially heard that, and this has to do with perception and the time I was born and all those snack wells and fat free, I knew less carbs. We all know this. We all know keto, this and that. But I didn't understand the absolute power of really tuning in to metabolism of what our ancestors thrived on. So now I'm going to let you respond to that. And just, I just want to say thank you again for being here. Yeah, there's, there's just so much to say and so much to talk about. I I need five hours, but but we'll have it over time. This is our cutie pie. Yay. Dr. Lisa meets Dr. Denise. So I just wanted to kind of be vulnerable with you though. Right. So we can really also encourage everyone to be vulnerable with their own mind and, and question their own beliefs. Right. Yeah. And, and here's the reality of it. Um, I, I, I can really pare it down really simply because I say, this is so simple. It's not easy to do living in the world we're in right now. Cause we are barraged with triggers and temptations of addictive food that these companies hire addiction specialists and experts to full time to be on staff, to make their foods as addictive as possible. So we, we, we have to fight against that, but the simplicity of it is think about ancestrally man for millions of years, hunted the big beast, dragged it to the village and they feasted on fatty ruminant meat. So it, you know, and then, and then people say, well, where's the studies that show that's healthy? Well, they were not dying of stroke, heart disease, cancer, you know, it, it, it and, and then everybody says, well, I need the study. Show me the studies. Well, how are you going to actually sequester a large group of carnivore eating people like myself and, and, and have a large enough study group to have a valid uh, outcome to, to say, okay, look at these people and look how healthy they are. Um, so I wasn't going to wait for that. And who's going to pour the studies cost two, three, $4 million to do an appropriate study. Who's going to fund that? Who's making money off of telling people to eat yes. and drink water. So you have to think long and hard why you're so convinced you need to wait for that study. I decided for me, I jumped in that day, March 9th, 2009, when I was reading about this group of people resolving themselves of all of these issues, inflammation, autoimmune, diabetes, depression, anxiety, bipolar, eczema, psoriasis, Crohn's disease, IBS, all of this. I said, wow, this sounds powerful enough for me to jump in and do my own N equals one experiment. Yes. I figured, let me, but can we say this again? This is very important. This is about perception. 
everyone listening, you have the keys to unlock your highest level of optimal health. You pick your own team, you have your own best friend approach, you look at your own lab work, your own doctor, mind, body, soul. And Dr. Lisa was craving a new way, looking at her metabolism, looking at the data. I am a champion, and I know you are, of scientific method. And for me, you read it, you do, then you have to implement it, and then you keep an open, healthy skepticism. So take us back to Lisa in March of 2009, how you were feeling, what you were thinking, and just the initial journey for you with your mindset, and also maybe how people were reacting, how your doctors, just tell us a little bit more. Yeah, the the biggest aspect of of how I feel people's perception or, or let's say they're they're the biggest motivation for somebody to be open-minded enough is if, I've learned this from a decade of coaching people people need to have their own specific what I call why that makes them cry what is that inner struggle that you're having whatever it might be physical mental obesity you know whatever it is for me that why that made me cry was i just thought i was going to eventually kill myself because not i was eventually it was eventually going to kill me this um this this compulsion of sugar and carb addiction and so that was my why that was making me cry that drove me to say all right, I know this sounds insane. These people are just eating meat, seafood, and eggs and butter. And okay, let me jump in. But the average person is not going to say, oh, I heard Dr. Lisa talk about this interesting carnivore way of eating. I want to show you guys something. So you've probably seen this guy. Oops, sorry about that. Go ahead. Supposed to find Dr. Ken Berries and say something. So thank you, everyone. Um, The why that makes them cry yeah, because specifically what you're talking about, it's almost, it's literally when someone hits that place and it's, it's, what is your, when someone's facing addiction, what is like almost like the last straw where it gets to the point where life is unmanageable. Right. And I'm going to say, it's not necessarily, let's just say it's not necessarily an addiction. Let's say it's somebody who is suffering from just very, very severe, significant psoriasis. Mm-hmm. And is miserable because of that. And in their mind, not thinking it has anything really, you know, the doctor's giving them creams and ointments and and they're just at their wits end. They don't want to live with this anymore. And so that's enough of a why that makes you cry. Or, you know, somebody who really has just suffered from a lifelong uh, digestive issues with IBS, Crohn's, celiac, whatever, and at the point where the doctors are saying, yeah, we're going to eventually have to remove part of your small intestine. There's no cure for this. And here, take some more drugs. And these people are eager for appropriate information because our medical system, unfortunately, is a sick care system. It's not there to find root cause and get you well. Why? Because there's no money in it to tell you to eat healthy, eat eat this way, and you will heal. And so the pharmaceuticals pharmaceutical industry funds the medical schools and doctors are taught to make a diagnosis and write the appropriate prescription. And 
it it really is. The, this is a very important point that you're saying because you and I are both coming from a medical training background. And prior to your March 9th, 2009 aha awareness and your own deep dive on your path of wellness, did you always question? I, I have always questioned ever since I started practicing and I practiced solo practitioner my goal was always to do the least amount of medicines or no medicine, how to get people out of my office. And I have never taken pharmaceutical money. I have never done any sponsorships because I wanted to have the highest level of integrity of open mind. And now I will say that there are medicines for some of my patients that are life-saving and life-changing, but I came into whatever perspective of practicing wellness and medicine of not over the top meds, if not none. And I love exercises, mind, medicine, and nutrition. Prior to your aha awareness, did you have that healthy skepticism about not prescribing as much? Or what was your way of viewing and perceiving things? Yeah, I'm well, as an eye doctor, it's a little bit different, but because, you know, somebody will come in with a viral or a bacterial infection, which that of course is an acute condition that does need prescription meds. But my, my issue came more so with diabetics and these diabetics coming in who I'm now diagnosing with bleeding in their eye, diabetic retinopathy, and me trying to explain that diabetes is actually reversible. And they'll say, oh no, my doctor said I'll be on medication the rest of my life. And I said, you will, unless you <laughs> learn and change what you eat and change, have, know that you have the power to change your own physical body mechanics. And uh, the, the turning point really more also is for when cardiologists who are now eating carnivore, like Philip Ovedia, Dr. Philip Ovedia uh, has written a book, How to Stay Off My or Stay Off My Operating Table is his book. And you know, Ken Berry has Lies My Doctor Told Me or Lies Your Doctor Told You. I'm not sure I'm quoting the book correctly, but uh, but that's the title. And it is those of us now in this medical field who have really awakened to the fact that there is a root cause to all of these conditions. And guess what? It's what you put in your mouth. Yay. No, 1000%. So you've been doing this for 14 years and you are, is there like in your group of people over a decade of this nutrition style? Um, number one, who are some of the people you come across? And number two, in your coaching that you do, can you share the the miracle moments or the aha moments? I've read them and seen them, but maybe someone for the first time is listening to this. Yeah, the 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 transformations are just indescribably miraculous. I mean, it 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 still is really interesting to me to observe 
what actually happens when people clear out the grains, the sugars, the processed foods, the seed oils completely out of their diet and to see how quickly for many such positive results can come from it. And most people are, you know, I, I guess so many people are incredulous. It's, it's too hard to believe that I have not eaten a single fruit or vegetable for 14 years. And now I know a lot of people listening would say, wait a minute, wait a minute, because I just said for 14 years, all I've eaten is meat, seafood, eggs, and a little bit of dairy. And they're assuming that I'm also eating, of course, fruits and vegetables, because of course, we all know those are healthy. Well, no, not so much. <laughs> they're not. And no, I haven't had a single one. And I'm in perfect health with perfect blood work. And it is amazing to people how, how, how freeing this is. And somebody said to me, gosh, doesn't that get boring eating all that meat? Aren't you bored? I said, I am not in the least bit bored. You know what's boring? Boring is standing in line at the pharmacy to fill a prescription. Boring is waiting in the waiting room of a doctor's office. I don't have to do any of that. I am so free by choosing this way of nourishing my body that I ultimately feel from all this time and all this experience and seeing the big grassroots movement toward this uh, I'm I'm just so I, I'm impassioned to help let others understand that this actually is really healthy. It's not restrictive. I can eat pork ribs. I can eat ribeye. I can eat ground beef. I can eat chicken. I can eat turkey, sausage. I can eat oxtail. I mean, there's so much variety. It's not like I'm eating a hamburger or a steak every day although that's good too, because repetition becomes just an easy, beautiful thing. I don't waste time on um, anything that I'm, you know, I'm not throwing out vegetables or fruit that went bad. The cost of this is not exorbitant. People say, well, I can't afford that. Well, you know what? It's really not um, any more expensive and can be even less expensive. You know, buy things on sale. Eggs are inexpensive, or at least they were, <laughs> um, but just shop the sales. And understand that word is not getting out very in a very large way through media, through mainstream media, because they're all funded by the pharmaceutical industry and the food industry. So they don't want this <laughs> simple, inexpensive and um, profit uh, disaster for them to come out. So, and it's very very encouraging to me to see how much this, I just keep calling it this grassroots effort. It's, it's really through the internet, through YouTube and Instagram and Facebook that these low carb, zero carb, no carb and carnivore groups are formed and people sharing their experiences and their successes. No, absolutely. Um, I also think that back to the days when you and I were growing up and, you know, for anyone that's listening that is thriving, there are probably people that are thriving on different nutrition plans. So I want to also, I, what I liked about Kelly Hogan's feed and your feed that you're doing it. And by the way, I'm really in the moment of right now, um, day 36 and I feel fantastic. And I agree with you that it's so easy. And 
it's the opposite of restrictive. It's liberating. And it's like, I know what I'm going to eat. And I know I feel great. And I know I feel lighter in my step. And I was very blessed to already have like very strong work habits, feel great. I went into this with a good mood, but I can't explain it. It's like a lighter, more focused, more clear. I feel like I'm fueling my organs with the right type of like rocket fuel, so to speak. Yeah. And Dr. That- Dr. Just, just wait until you hit 90 days and then it's, it's what we all laugh and say, hashtag carnivore forever, carnivore for life, because you look back and say, gosh, I don't want to eat any other way. I don't want to feel any other way. This is I amazing. feel that way now. You know why? Because I went into this. I had done what I call a self-love tour. <laughs> I was, I'm like, Denise, you're already doing your swimming. You got your son doing great. How can you go deeper in your own thrive? So I looked, I did what I call a life review. I was looking at, you know, things I wanted to go deeper so I can continue to walk the walk. And I'm like, you know, you really need to, you're not eating much. You've really, whatever nutrition plan you've been on, you've been, you sort of slowed your own metabolism. So why not try something and walk the walk of open-mindedness perception? So I got the data and I started doing it and I'm like, it's so easy. I feel incredible. And I will be vulnerable with you, Dr. Lisa, when I had to go out for a friend's party I'm not really, how do I want to put this? I'm really fortunate to be super fun, sober. Like I'm, I'm not someone that needs to drink alcohol. And I live in like the Southern Cal beach town. I don't know what it's like in your environment, but a lot of people kind of like open up the wine and do the binge drinking. And they all, a lot of them somehow look super slender. I don't know what's going on with their metabolism, but I went out and I thought, do I just join them later? Cause I looked at the restaurant menu and maybe we can talk about pre-planning. I called the restaurant in advance because it was a restaurant that does tapas and they all had creams and things. And it didn't have, I found one thing on the menu because it was a very kind of boutique restaurant and I did not want to not show for my friend. So number one, I said up to everyone, I will be your designated driver. I showed up super fun and happy. Number two, I also called the restaurant in advance and I knew they had this hanger steak and I checked in how it was prepared. And I knew that when they ordered the cheese plate that I could indulge in that. I had my um, Perrier and my water. So I feel like I successfully navigated a really fun night out with following my nutrition plan And also trying to not trigger everyone where we live. I don't know what it's like for you, but a lot of people are always on diets or Ozempic or I'm doing this this month, very trendy. And I just wanted to show up as myself and fun and celebrate my friend, but not make it all about my nutrition plan. Does that make sense? Yeah, sure. And I find that actually the the less you uh, divulge with your own personal journey right now, the better, because everybody's going to have opinions about it. Everybody's going to say, well, Denise, that's well and good for now, but you're going to have a heart attack five years from now. Correct. And it's, it's all those naysayers. It's the friends, the family, the coworkers that are all going to tell you you're killing yourself. And then it's so interesting because they didn't say a word or give a crap that you were eating, whatever it was before you know, anything else that might not have been healthy, whether it's a little ice cream, some cookies, um, nobody pays attention. 
the alcohol, everybody's laughing and enjoying. But now all of a sudden, when you've kind of taken control of your nutrition and doing what you feel is best and right for you, that now all of a sudden people care. So it's very simple, just like you did. You did wonderful as far as you, I, I go online, I check the menu ahead of time. Those tapas type places are the worst. The they are. For me, both- Dr. Lisa, I was like, 911, I love my friend. And yeah. then I didn't want to go back to the days where I remember when I was in medical school, my friends and I used to go on those trendy diets where I would miss social things because I didn't know how to navigate it at that younger age. And like, Denise, show up. You're so much fun. You're such a light. You'll have the music going. You're already fun. You know right. what I mean? And then yeah. I wanted to practice non-judgment, non-judgment of everyone. If everyone wants to choose their nutrition plan, it's their responsibility, their doctor, their mental health. So I think the other thing about this is I think we all do better when we kind of find our own guides and get the data instead of someone overly lecturing us, right? Yeah. You know, and for the the, the food issue, there's... it. It's pretty simple. Let's say if I had that same boutique type tapas place and I saw, well, maybe there's this, mm, this little dish here has got a little bit of, you know, chicken skewers on it or something. You can, I, I eat ahead of time or just plant, you know, I yes. eat after, you know, and, but I can, I can, you know, enjoy and partake in the meal by just ordering whatever it is and picking the meat off. Nobody pays attention. The hanger steak, when I ordered, I would just say to the waiter, just because I'm really adamant about trying to not get any seed oils into my body since they have such a very long half-life of staying there that, and the restaurants are notorious for squirting it on everything, everywhere, on the grills, on the meat. So I say, you know, I'm, I'm allergic to oils. Can you please not put any oil on my meat? I mean, I go, that's the one extra step I do as far as that, but that's great to know. Thank you. Yeah. And then I would I- thank you. And that's important because I've been just ordering the butter. Like, you know, my grocery shop is so simple and um, this is great. So keep going. Cause I think people are like, well, how do you actually do it and implement it? It's easy when you're eating in your own privacy of your home, but we're also trying to live life on earth and go to some events. So we've got to yeah. figure this out. I just look at it that, I can figure it out any place except for a vegan restaurant. I I really can. I mean, if it's (laughs) anything but a vegan restaurant, I'm totally capable of finding something that I can partake in the enjoyment of the social atmosphere. Um, And in general, most restaurants do offer a burger. So bunless burger works great. Um, Most of them will order some sort of steak or chop and then that's it. And if you want to fly under the radar, I let them put the veggies on and I just kind of kick them around and I eat the meat. Um, Pretty much everybody knows that by this point, how I eat and what I will eat and that I don't even bother getting the, the sides. But actually, I'll take that back. Sometimes I do because I will just have them wrap the side vegetables and I label it and put it in my freezer. And that way, if my mom or a friend or somebody else comes over to my home and I'm grilling, I can just pull out a side dish prepared by a restaurant and that's their side. So because you don't get charged any less for telling them you want just the meat. So sometimes I do, if it, if it looks good, I'll take it home. But um, can I tell other, you, can we, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was going to just, just quickly just add in the, the thing about the alcohol. So 
yes, I live in the Jersey Shore area. It's a very, um, <laughs> a, a, a very- A lot of uh, indulging. A lot of indulging. A lot. <laughs> There's a well, lot of- Let's just have be playful. The indulgences. Yes, a lot of on the water restaurants and people are very much into that. And, you know, I've come to a place for myself. I fortunately have never had an issue with alcohol. I can- moderate it and have one drink every three months and I'm perfectly fine. Uh, do you choose it, vodka or what do you choose on that kind of yeah, low carb? So basically, yeah, it would just be vodka or tequila or a bourbon. Um, and, and that's it. And by the way, I love, can I just interject? Yeah. I told myself from the scientific method that I was going to do 90 days. Absolutely. Then I know I'm going to do more, but then I'm like, Oh, if I do decide to ever indulge in that, I had researched that a little vodka. And, but yeah, I said, I wanted vodka. the purity of the scientific method also because of the work you're doing, Ken Berry, all the, the pioneers and paradigm progression pioneers, you know, being an adult and child psychiatrist and intuitive, if I'm going to walk the walk of sharing my story and then helping more people, you know, that integrate my superpowers with all of you, I personally wanted to do the 90 days very clean so that there's not the hiccups just for my own intellectual yeah, no, that's process. Perfect. And that's the best because honestly, when you're new into this first 90 days period, any amount of alcohol will tend to lower your resolve and uh, get you maybe to pick at something that these friends are saying, oh my gosh, these are the best homemade tortillas I've ever had. You have to try one, Denise. And if you've had a drink in you and it's like, oh, all right. right. Just a, yeah. Right. So the so slippery slope of indulgence. We'll call exactly. that. It's great to just stay totally clean. Now, what I'm going to say as far as the alcohol, yes, it's a toxin. It's a poison to our body. It needs yes. to be processed by our liver before it processes anything else we're putting in the body. So ultimately, yes, we would all totally abstain from it. But now here is the thing, like you said, yes, if you're going to have one, uh, the, the, the clean kind of vodka drink, vodka and club uh, works. Now, here's the other thing that I say for that first 90 days, totally clean. Mm -hmm. uh, it's very, uh, you could use the designated driver thing, but most people say, well, you can have one, right? So I, I just encourage people to, number one, this is something I do. I am at a bar with friends. We walk up and we're there and we're going to actually sit there and have a meal too. And they're all ordering the wine. And the bartender just comes to me and says, oh, what do you have? And I said, I haven't decided yet. Can you just get me a real big seltzer with lemon? And so there I go. I have the seltzer. And then guess what? Nobody's paying attention for the rest of that time, whether you're- exactly or not. Okay. So, and then I just slide the empty glass forward and he tops yes. it off with some more seltzer for me. And, and isn't it great? I get so excited Ooh. about my seltzer. Yeah. And then I even so get the different color cans in my refrigerator. <laughs> yeah. I have different types of seltzer. Put it in a like nice prettiness. glass. Yeah. Put it in a pretty glass. But the other thing, it, when you are in a, a, a different scenario where you really do have friends that you always drink with, if that's the case, um, I think one of the best things to say, oh, I'm doing a 90 day challenge and boy, do I feel great, but gosh, yep. I still have 57 more days to go and Correct. people will honor that, you know, oh, wow. Good for you. You're doing 90 days. Wow. How are you doing that? How's that working? And 
you know, it's a little interesting conversation. That's it. They're not going to bug, bug you about here. Have, have some wine, you know? So I want to honor time and these tips, these specific um, transitional tips. So the awareness, then the decision to take charge of your own nutrition. And when you're starting, uh, if you're doing carnivore or anything, I think one thing I did not do, but I kind of wanted to do it this way. So I'm just calling myself out. I like to really walk the walk. I wanted to go in to my physical May 9th already doing this so that I just let my doctor know. And then I get the labs that are more indicative of the new health plan. Now I, as a doctor, when I talk to my patients would have probably wanted you to weigh yourself, get the data first that you can see. But for my unique perfectionism perception, I made the decision to do it differently. I would, I would probably advise that, but I also want people to know sometimes there's shaming that you might have if you have an aversion to getting on the scale, or if you have a different body type that even if you are at low percentage body fat and your metabolism is great, you know, there are different people. And maybe this is like a part two, we can do it another time. Cause I work with people with anorexia, bulimia, bulimia, eating disorder. And there's also the mindset around getting ready to make different choices and there's environmental triggers for everyone. So I think that's another under-discussed topic. And I think you have an area of expertise from your own walking the walk with this. Yeah. And I'm going to say interesting <laughs> that I, I, well, let's just say I, I didn't have to, but I did not discuss with any of my doctors during that transition period where I decided to go carnivore and, you know, I would just go for my annual OBGYN checkup. Um, I never was really an annual go to the doctor and get a physical kind of person. Dr. Lisa, either am I. Okay. Keep going. I'm smiling. Yeah. Um, so (laughs) I'm all about staying out of the doctor's office and I want my patients to do the least amount of visits with me to be well. So, okay, keep going. So, so I just, I just never bothered to mention it or say anything about it because when, then what ends up happening is the doctor's like, wow, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. I'm like, okay. And, um, I, for me, I, I actually, I'm just very happy to say I have no need for the medical profession unless I get in a car crash or break a bone. Um, or I guess maybe get some sort of appendicitis thing, but I, I feel I am on such an amazing path to stay healthy. Our bodies want to evolve and are, are trying at all times to go to the healthy state. And, I even tell people, don't get hung up on numbers. Don't yes. test your blood all the time. Who? Yes. What, and for me, what does it matter? If yes. I I have a little BUN on the blood work that's just out of the range high, what am I going to do differently? Start adding, you know, salads to my, no, I'm not, I'm not doing anything differently. I feel amazing. And I think that, you know, we have to not get so hung up and, uh, feel like we're relying on doctors because I, I, I didn't, I stopped after the first couple of years of doing blood work when I did carnivore, just out of more curiosity, I did not go to the doctor or test my blood for about eight years. Um, I finally went more recently because more out of other people's curiosity, what is, 
you know, at that time I was 10 years, 12 years carnivore. What yes. is it look like? So I was like, yes. okay, let me do a service to the community or I'll take yes. one for the team and I'll go get my blood work done. But it's amazing to feel that I, I don't need the medical profession for anything at this point. No, that's incredible. So it sounds like you have the mindset of less is more, less doctors, more positive thinking. And I think the way society is, and I champion people that want scientific method of the before and after pictures and how much did you weigh and whatever they want to do. But my perception, the way I'm doing it for me is that I already had body love 37 days ago. And I made the decision to put my hand on my belly and say, okay, we need to get rid of some of this. And I looked at it from a self-love and highest level of health. I'm like, you're blessed. You're already swimming. You're not overeating, but your metabolism is not at optimal. Why not be open-minded? And also when I saw that, I want to honor, um, what's your father's name? Eric. Eric. I want to honor Eric. I know you lost your father. Was it in the last year? Yeah, just in September. And yeah, unfortunately, my dad was just ill from the, we'll call it, typical uh, diseases that people think come with old age. He was 85 when he passed, but, you know, probably for about 10 to 15 years going down the slippery slope of slow suicide, which happens when you eat pretty much grains, sugars, and seed oils. Uh, that's what I, why I call it a slow suicide because you're not realizing it until you're decades in and your body is really then showing significant signs of you know, whatever, cancer, Parkinson's, diabetes, all of these he had. And then uh, it, it really comes down to, uh, for me, understanding that that all came about from poor dietary choices. And unfortunately, I wasn't able to convince him or currently my mom to give up all the sugars, grains and seed oils. And uh, yeah, it, it's, it's sad. It's, it's hard when you're in my position knowing how incredible. I've witnessed people in their 70s and 80s even take to this change in their diet and have remarkable um, improvements in their health. It's never too late. And um, yeah, but I also then see how strong the addiction is and how a lot of people, even some of my diabetic patients who I was explaining how they can reverse this and, uh, and get off their medications. And they're like, Oh, but I'm Italian. I can't not eat bread and pasta. That's crazy. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> you would have thought I just asked them to chop off their right arm. All I wanted you to do is not eat sugars, grains, and seed oils, but I get it. It's, it's people don't. Well, that to. actually goes back to the perception dilemma of the perception of I can't do something. And I know that we are, this is our first time and this interview is packed with information, but as I'm listening to you, I think it's very important that we comment in, if you can weigh in on what happens when someone goes into ketosis and also the autophagy of intermittent fasting. I feel like we should do a little bit of deeper dives to really make sure we're, we're adding that element to this discussion today, because it's very important for people to understand that when you change and make these different nutrition choices of not having the sugars, the grains, the seed oils, and you're relying on the protein and the, the high animal fat, that it's a different type of fuel and what that does for you. Can you deep dive on that for us? 
Yeah, that gets really detailed and, and complex. And what I usually say to people is, you know, do like Dr. Denise is doing, let's say I'm going to do a 90 day challenge and let's jump in and just, first of all, it's, it's a huge step for most people to not eat bread, pasta, rice, crackers, chips, you know, it, it's so huge and monumental just to get to that point. Can I share something with you? Yeah. I wasn't eating those foods. I had just slowed my metabolism down. Have you run across that? So what were you eating? Just vegetables? Oh, but it wasn't good. It was Kashi Golin Crunch because I thought, oh, yay, I'm getting the protein. I'm getting this. Right, but grains. I know. I'm just going to be like calling out what I was, but I wasn't overeating it. Then I was having a salad. But they break right down into sugar. Exactly. This is why we want to myth bust it. I thought I was like, yeah, you got your Kosh. Every day I looked at myself with pride, like you got your Kashi Golden Crunch, girl. And then I had my salad and I had shrimp and I, I literally was having seltzer water. But I also remember I had some extra belly fat that I'd already just almost like accepted that I can't shake this. This is just me. And that's the myth buster too. That I thought, Denise, you look great, but you can trim up. You can get an even optim- more optimal health. And so I just want you to know, I, I went into it kind of with a pretty slow metabolism, but now I can't even explain it. I, I my inch, like, and, and I'm like, okay, Denise, don't get addicted to this. But like, I'm like, oh my gosh, my suede pants look like, like I already had curves, but now my waist is getting smaller. Oh, those you've turned into a fat burner instead of a sugar burner. Correct. And and so your body, when you get some ketones and, you know, I go into all this with my coaching groups and I do a little one-on-one coaching limited because of limited time. But in my coaching groups, I really go into and dive deep into how to get into ketosis and measuring it and just for yourself, you will be able to say, hey, look what happens when I eat this percentage of fat and versus this. And look how great I feel if I'm, I just eat, you know, half a pound of ground beef and a couple eggs with some butter for that meal. So satiating. And wow, next morning, look what it did to my ketones. For mental clarity to, to get out of mental fog and there's so much benefit to being in ketosis. And yes. also, it cancer- feels amazing. It's yeah, hard to cancer- even put into words. Yeah, cancer cells cannot survive on ketones. They survive glucose. So that's Wait, another say that again. Big, big reason. Cancer cells are cannot survive with with ketones as their um, energy source. They they are glucose burners, and they're very highly metabolically active. So when you starve cells of glucose and you run your body on ketones and fat, in my mind, that that's the best preventative of cancer going forward. You can listen to beautiful presentations by Thomas Seafried and who says, absolutely, cancer is a metabolic disease, not a genetic disease. Wow. I'm smiling. I'm grateful. And I want to also express gratitude to my son. My son just turned 14, Dr. Lisa, and he's, and I, I adopted him at birth and I have talked with him about protecting your brain 
And he always sees like, mom, you're addicted to swimming. I was addicted to salads, which we thought was good, which is the myth buster, right? And he would even write that on those little cute things. My mom's addicted to salad. And we thought that was so good, right? It's not. (laughs) So I want to give credit to my son because he took a huge interest as he was developing, you know, last year he was five foot three and one ten. Now he's five, seven, 148 with almost a, pretty much almost a six pack. And he wanted to reduce his sugar eating, but I don't want to be restrictive because of his age, but he took interest and he had sensory issues where he had troubles with different textures of food. And he wanted to try steak because one of his influencers did. And I would say about two months ago, when I started preparing steak for him, this is a whole nother discussion because of vegetarianism and the environment, whole nother. I started making him steak, then I was eating it, thanking the animal. I thank the animal before I eat it or anything. And then I also imagine that it was prepared in a non-toxic environment, whatever it is. And I want to say thank you to my son because he started me on the eating steak because I had that old mindset of mostly vegetarian, a little fish, and I thought I was doing the right thing, right? So I also think you never know. It could be, you know how you say the why that makes them cry, but sometimes there's little nudges we get from people that we're trying something different and it tastes okay. And then I think if you just do one more day of it, for me, I do better with the 90-day committing. I mean, because if you do things intermittently, the habits don't stick, but I just want to thank my son. I always say my son's my teacher because he was on his own path of carving out his gut and looking great. And his steak eating got me. And then I thought, ah, Charles Maddox asked me to go and eat steak for a week. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to get the data. And then I like the way I met you. And I want to have gratitude for that is that you and Kelly Hogan were doing a wonderful IG live. So everyone out there listening, you can meet the Dr. Lisa's the Kelly Hogan's, the Dr. Sean Baker's, the Dr. Ken Berry's, the Charles Maddox, the different doctors that are like having an open mind on social media. So take advantage of all the, all the information out there. So do you want to add to that? Cause I'm just so grateful that we got to have this discussion today. Oh yeah. There's, there's a lot of information out there about vegetarianism and veganism, and it's a big push out in the world right now for specific agendas, but I can't tell you how many vegetarians have flipped on a dime and come to carnivore and resolved a lot of health issues. And there's a lot of studies showing depression rates uh, of people who are just eating vegetables. And there's, there's not a single vitamin, mineral, or nutrient that you cannot get from meat. We do not need vegetables and vegetables have anti-nutrients and toxins in them to try to protect themselves to stay on earth. That's their protective mechanism. So yeah. Can I I tell you what happened at my son's pediatric visit last week? Yeah. And he, I didn't want to go into it. I was in the room. My son looks fantastic. The doctor comes in, not as healthy as my son. Of course he's older my son's got biceps cut. He's working out. He's following mostly, you know, carnivore because his choice, not me telling him his own free will, right? He doesn't eat vegetables. My son hasn't, which has actually been a protective mechanism because of his sensory issues, which is a protective mechanism for him. So the doctor starts lecturing him because my son tells the truth. We talk about integrity 
And he just said, no, I don't eat vegetables. And then the doctor went on to give him this big lecture on vegetables. And then my son got a little bit annoyed with me when I'm just being vulnerable now. When in the car, he's like, mom, why didn't you back me up? And I just said to him, Kieran, it wasn't worth it. This is the first time this is your brand new pediatrician. The other one retired. They don't know me. I'm, this doctor doesn't know me. And I'm a doctor in the community. I didn't want to like pick the vegetable battle. Yeah. When I knew we could get through the appointment and maybe he could start to just think, wow, this kid's got abs. This kid has muscles. My son's now off. He was already off. I don't want to go into this because I've always been protective of my son, but my son's had a lot of energy and he has learning um, challenges that he's now thriving at the right school and he's on no meds. He's in all fitness, good nutrition. And I'm not saying that people don't benefit if they have ADD or something, you know, please talk with your doctor. I am an adult and child psychiatrist, but my son's on no meds doing all this. And he just, my son got a little bit mad at me. He said to me, why didn't you back me up? So I just kind of like what you said earlier in the interview, I didn't want to pick a battle because if someone's perception is so in that perception and there's only a short window of time, just like if you're out socializing, it's not my job to perception change people in such a short time. So I just feel like we're still living at this time where we need to kind of get the data out like you and you're in the team of uh, paradigm progression pioneers in the world of carnivore are doing. But I think we have to be gentle with it as well. Gentle and not gentle at the same time. Yeah, for sure. It, uh, like I was going back to when I said, just fly under the radar because people are not going to be receptive to the information uh, at all times. And you will be able to pick up on who is actually very receptive to the information and then, you know, go ahead and and shout from the rooftop because that's what we all want to end up doing here because we feel like we have the holy grail. And you want to let everybody know that those things that they're putting in their mouth are so toxic. And um, But yeah, I just say it's that pick your battles. You could not pick that battle at that moment with that physician. That was not an appropriate time to uh, have that discussion. And hopefully your son understands that. He does. But I love how strong he is in his own perception. I think one of the biggest things I wanted to invite everyone to do is remember that we all process and perceive things in our own unique way. And it's multidimensional, biological, psychological, social, cultural, spiritual, and sixth sense intuition. And if you're on your path to health and wellness, Dr. Lisa's just shared her path, but I want you to be free thinkers and mindfully ingest every part of your day. You just cut out, Denise. Oh, can you hear me? Oh, this happens sometimes. Okay, everyone, we're going to have Dr. Lisa back after the 90 days. And I want, I'm going to do 90 days and you can follow her at Carnivore Doctor on all the social media feeds. And then I will have her back. I know that this happens sometimes. So everyone, Dr. Lisa, thank you so much. And I'm going to have you back on the show in uh, three months. Thank you. Thank <music> you.